Trek podcast by ladies, where we're about to talk about Star Trek, loudly, in my case, and in great length, by all of us. <laughs> this is season two, episode 22, by any other name, by any other name I would be calling it, with my freeze ray, I will stop <laughs> the Enterprise. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, I, yeah. I, thank you so much. I just went with phenomenal cosmic powers, itty bitty living space. <laughs> <laughs> also very good. So we are your Star Trek guide to this episode, which um, I I would characterize this episode by having a strong case of PMS. And by the way, I am Kareen, joined as Ari. <laughs> <laughs> I will be playing Ari in this episode. Ari will be played by... Still Ari. <laughs> You're no fun at all. <laughs> Trisha will be played by William Shatner. And Kim will be Denise Crosby. Nice. I get to die halfway through and then come back in a guest starring role. And get left out of the DVD box set. <gasps> Ooh. Ooh. But it's so okay. I still get to show up at conventions and get paid. Mm. As long as you get paid. Mm-hmm. Um... Okay, when I said this episode has a strong case of PMS, is that halfway through the episode, there is a mood swing. Yeah. The first half of the episode was, like, boring as hell. (gasps) Shut your face! It was terrifying! It was scary! The first half? They were helpless against a completely invincible foe. As they are in Every no, other no, episode, I believed it. Oh yeah, I no. thought that these guys could definitely win. They were no. going to destroy humanity, not just humanity, the entire Federation. Because no. they could. No. Yeah. I was like, oh, how's Kirk going to use humanity to trick these aliens into losing? I got nothing. It was, it was generic. Trisha, I, was, I, wow. I wasn't. I was meh. Anyway. I'm like, oh look, it's an alien with a device. You two clearly were not paying close enough attention. No, this this actually is the episode that scared me the yeah. most because I really, really thought that they built a villain that was the equal, if not better, leader mm-hmm. than Kirk. Mm-hmm. Also, I have strong childhood memories of being very scared of, of being that... turned into a block. Yeah, a clean you know block. What? They're like D twenties. <gasps> actually, I think they might be. They were uh, dice. D fifteens, but yeah, they are. They're, yeah, they're like role playing dice. So I'm going to call them D twenties. That's also scared fair. the hell out of me. I think as we a small also went with what was it, Trisha Pumice Stones? Pumice Stones. Mm. Pumice Stones. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Either way, terrifying. It's so scary. I really liked it because I thought the cold open did a really good job of establishing the stakes. Yeah. Because you go in and you think it's another. Oh, they're exploring a planet, and these guys clearly lured them into a trap episode. That part was generic, and then it yeah. suddenly went from like midline level drama to. Plus 25, holy shit, these guys are so powerful, and there's nothing we can do to and stop them. And they mean business, yeah. in that I really liked that there were two characters there. It was the black man and the woman, yeah. of course, and they straight up murdered that young girl. That yep. was that was the only part of the whole beginning that I really liked, and that was actually, like, tense, and it's like, one of them is dead, and you didn't know who was coming back. That part was tense. Everything else of this just felt like a generic Star Trek episode with super-powered aliens, and it's just going to be a matter of time until Kirk manages to use humanity to defeat them, which he did. What I like, the mood shift that I liked is I felt the entire first half was just a setup until we finally got around to the hilarious business of defeating the aliens, and I was actually entertained by, like, the last bits where they were like, 
okay, let's use... I actually was entertained by the let's use humanity against the aliens to defeat them portion. Okay. okay. This denotes like an insufficient fear of death on Kim's part, or... <laughs> I think... I think holy shit. Maybe it's what half of the episode appeals to you, and I thought the first half of the episode was amazing. I, I was it was tense there was suspense I really felt like they created a very good villainous yeah. race. I'm completely shocked to hear this I was so bored and I was like this is the same shit we've seen every well, single time I did not care for the second half I liked both I, halves I thought that it actually did not carry through on it was very the mode and the tension it was, it was a complete yeah. 180 uh yeah. Trisha uh <laughs> I, I didn't really like I didn't I was just watching it being like yep yeah, this is this is an episode that's happening right now. <laughs> like, really glad to have your opinion come down hard on one side or the other, Trisha. <coughs> glad we brought you. Also, along. note that I'm not—I'm the only one that has zero notes. <laughs> yeah, that could be just because you have a really good memory, but uh, I'm just lazy. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you could have just taken the hand that I was extended out to you. No, I. Again, of all the villains that we've had, I felt like, you know, witches with magical powers that can turn into giant cats, sure. Like, they could fall into a hole and die. The thing is that with every other, like, all-powerful villain we've had up to this point, their flaws are obvious from the get-go. And what I also liked about this episode, speaking of the I really hope that the swooping sound when you were shaking your hand carries through the map because that was great. Is that this episode essentially goes down a checklist of things that have worked in previous episodes. So luring them in, pretending someone is sick, Mm -hmm. and then doing the drop on them, using a Vulcan mind meld, uh, Kirk just using oozing sexuality to try to get out it all fails yeah them using the yeah. uh them they even they even go so the far bluff. yeah they even go so far as to say oh remember that time on that planet yes to an episode that we have actually seen they they somehow managed to send spock and scotty to go and diffuse their power source which we've seen in a million episodes he like, had to do a rest thing a Vulcan resting sleep that's not vacation. Yeah, yeah the Murray. Yeah. <laughs> and they do the, the secret sabotage thing, except they come then, right up against a wall. Oh, shit, this isn't going to work. And that's, I think, why I really, really liked them as villains, is that all these other things that we've seen previous villains fall for and be successful, they went through their entire bag of tricks and came up empty. Those guys had essentially won. And our crew, our heroes, are defeated yeah. The only, I, I mean, it's a deus ex machina, this stupid comedy of the form of the human gives you the emotions of the human, and so you're going to drink yourself to death. Yeah. That was, I, I essentially they painted themselves into a really interesting corner. Yeah. And, and, like, that was something that once we figured out what they actually, like, their actual form and what they actually were normally... It's like oh giant ten foot tall octopuses. Yeah, <laughs> that yeah that scared me. I was like, oh okay, yeah. that part All was right. interesting because I'm like, yes, more alien aliens. They have a hundred tentacles. Each of the tentacles able to do their own thing. <laughs> it was amazing. Can you imagine how much multitasking they would get done? Can you imagine how much hentai they could get done? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm not. I'm not gonna lie to say it didn't occur to me. Thank you so much. The first when they said tentacles, I was like, oh. Ooh. I guarantee you that fic existed in the seventies. 
Um, so let's actually go through the story because we haven't actually talked about it in order it's at all. It's not important. It's a little important. So uh, the first note <laughs> I have here is someone set dress. Someone in set dressing really earned their pay this time. It was a nice. Was a, they, they're nice. being down to an alien set, and I mm-hmm. like when they put the effort into making it look yeah. actually alien rather than mm-hmm. just like Velasquez rocks. Yeah. Yeah. I like the purple sky. Yeah, the purple sky was, was like, nice. Yeah. I liked the giant red foliage and yeah. ferns. Yep. I, I thought it was a really nice planet, and it's suitably alien, and they've gone down there because someone sent a distress, distress call, and I like that this is important because they went down for humanitarian yep. reasons. Like, that's what humans do, is that someone is in distress, no matter who's calling, they pick up the phone. Mm-hmm. Even though I have argued in previous episodes that you should just ignore the ringing on the oh, phone. Oh, you have definitely you have. argued that, like, hard. Yes, and I stand by what I say. People should die. But that um, it is established that they always pick up the phone. And so that's, they are part here. The, that's part of the humanity, and that's yep. part of the Federation's mission. Yep. So uh, Spock's getting weird readings about of um, I think these little bits of metal all over. So they instantly jump to the conclusion, correct as it turns out, that there might have been a ship, but it clearly like broke up on reentry. So mm-hmm. the ship's gone, and they crashed here. But there's no sign of people. And then until there is not long for this world until someone's like I I, I, I sense humans or I'm scanning for humans and then some humans appear. Yes, the sexy now, lady robot and the bland white. Now guy. it's important here that she says humans, not humanoids, because they have definitely used humanoids multiple times in original series so far. She says humans, which turns out to be important later because they've actually made themselves look human instead of just. I human-shaped. love that you think they put the thought in. They do. That. They talk about it later. They do. Bless your heart. Um. So, uh, what's his name? Rojan. We're There's calling him Rohan. Rohan, sure. <laughs> and blonde, uh... She was lady. Blue. Her name's Kalinda, we find out later. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. Like, like Kalinda. sexier yeah. Belinda? No, like Kalinda from The Good Wife. She's a private investigator, but sexy and bisexual. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> they walk on the scene, and, and, Ro- and Rohan's like, well, thank you for showing up. Now surrender your ship. So, what? <laughs> Which is a very short conversation because he immediately freeze rays them with the button that he presses on his crotch. Yes. Everyone does. I would like to take a moment. You're doing a freeze ray. They don't do it the cheapy version where they just like pause the video. Mm-hmm. Everybody freezes the entire episode. Everybody is like, oh, the yeah. actors are doing like the actor freeze. Yeah. And I liked Kirk in this because he's frozen. But his eyes were still moving. Yeah. Yeah, that was some acting. I would like to take a moment and acknowledge McCoy's stupid ass pose that he yeah. is making. I tried to hold it actually. Why? I saw that and I was just like, okay, finger guns. Yeah, like. And they just held it to see because I could see his arm moving. Like, really, how hard is that pose to hold? He was old. So and then the thing I... is that the pose that they are in makes no sense for what they were when they were frozen. A guy shows up and says, okay, thank you very much. You're going to surrender your ship. Your pose is. Casual finger guns? Well, he's like turned to Spock with his finger in the air like and he's admonishing him or something. It's like, why were you doing that when a guy walked in and said, so we're taking your ship now. You're Wouldn't you be Spock like... For this? Uh, this is very stupid of me to be posing because we're recording a podcast. Cannot see, but they are pretty no. silly poses. It is a very bad pose and we should, we should acknowledge that. Mm-hmm. So Rohan unfreezes them. Assuming, I guess, that they will take this news really calmly. And in fact, Kirk, the first thing he does is like, everybody chill. 
I would also like to take back what I said about the cold open, because this is actually not a very impressive cold open, because you don't actually get to see our heroes react to this. No, Essentially, no, he drops the news, that. and then they go into, like, blank face stares, and then it's like, dun-dun-dun! They look really calm. Yeah. It's like, oh. But when they come back, we'll pretend that that wasn't broken up. When they come back, they're you not exactly upset. Them. They're more just like, oh, what? Again. 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 So we're going to steal your ship and go to the Android Galaxy. Uh, and we get a little super brief rundown that they are from the Kelvin Empire in another galaxy. The ship is destroyed, just like we thought, crossing the galactic barrier. And Kirk says something great. He's like, because uh, Kirk's like, so what happened to your ship? And Rohan's like, well, there's an energy barrier at the edge of your galaxy. And Kirk's like, yeah, we've been there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love that part. Yeah. That's actually a really good callback. Oh, yeah. That's great. And I will say that I did like that this episode at least pretended that it remembered Continuity. what had happened in the previous episode. Yeah. No, yeah. it was very, very, again, very, very strong that way. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm saying, I noticed those parts. I like that part. Mm-hmm. I still thought it was boring. <laughs> the best part is Kirk's like, ah, oh, like, bless you for trying, but it's not happening. And Rohan is like, the capture has already begun. And it in fact has, because apparently about three minutes later. Yeah, so they're like crotch jumpsuits. It's a lot of jumpsuits. A lot of jumpsuits. All, everybody has a different color. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Kalinda, who I was just calling blue the whole time because I didn't know her name. Hers is like, it looks like a normal jumpsuit and it kind of looks like she's got diamonds on the side, but then you get a view of the back. There, there is, is no back. back. <laughs> Which she's is wearing like a jumpsuit, like three quarters of an outfit. Yeah. The I really liked it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so surprised. Um, but the other lady alien, Drea, does have a back to her jumpsuit, so maybe it's a status thing. She's just not important enough to not wear a full jumpsuit. Who had the nice boots? Was that Belinda? It, it that was Kalinda. Yeah, she had purple boots. Yeah. They were really nice, and they kind of, like, opened up nicely. I was like, okay, yeah. well, you know, if I had to be a sexy alien. For utility jumpsuits, they were all very attractive. Yeah, and they weren't uniform, which mm-hmm. I really liked. Yeah. And it was easy to keep them, keep track of them, because mm-hmm. you could just nickname them blue and purple. Yep. Mm-hmm. And mustard. <laughs> and pink. It was very much like a game of Clue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, they're, they, they pop onto the ship, and what I cannot understand for the life of me is they immediately know where to go and what buttons to press to immediately disable the ship. Well, I mean, aren't they supposed to be, like, more advanced, so maybe they are sort of can intuitively Except use the technology? It or... doesn't make sense, because A, it is super not intuitive, and B, later on, they say that they need them to get them past the barrier, which to some degree, at least, is they need them to operate the ship. No, except no, except because everybody was already no. doing that. I think they, they never actually specified why they needed Kirk and McCoy and Spock and Scotty around to operate the ship, other than the fact that they're the main male characters. Okay, I would give you McCoy, because he's the doctor, he's the doctor. Mm-hmm. and one of the little Calvinators actually went to the doctor to get vitamin shots, so clearly they have medical needs to see to their new human bodies. For a yeah. while. Fine. Yeah. Spock, you would mean he's the science officer. Maybe I can understand, like when your like intergalactic travel teaches how to use your fancy sensors or something. But like, okay, fine. Spock for sensors. Yeah. Uh, Scotty for the engines, obviously. Yeah, for the obviously, engines, obviously, obviously. But why Kirk? You actually don't need Kirk. Kirk. No, for no, nothing. I think Kirk I would nothing. cube him. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Ransom, I... maybe. No. because initially they imprison the away party to like hostage situation to force the rest of the crew to go along with what they're doing to because they're they're like tweaking the engines in some not very credible way so that they can travel to the Andromeda galaxy in only 300 years well okay that's the other thing though is they're 
the the Kelvins themselves are the ones who are tweaking the engines and doing all the modifications. They don't actually need Scotty for that. I think that in the case that something that wasn't their modifications broke, they might need him to kind of tinker around. I would also like to give you guys the original treatment of what happened in this script. And I think this might explain a lot of the problems that we're having. Okay. So the original version was written, written by Jerome Bixby, and then DC Fontana did a rewrite on this to okay. add a lot of the comedy. Originally, the Kelvins show up on the Enterprise and immediately space 10 people. Whoa. Just, like, open up the doors and let them float out into space. Mm-hmm. Kirk apparently goes through hellish torture through the entire episode. And the crew are selectively bred with each other so they are forced to mate in order to create a slave race to serve the kelvins which actually makes sense because they say that their own ship was multi-generational that's fucking dark it is very dark but it actually makes a lot more sense it yeah nbc to i think no one around this table surprised are you joking they noped out of it so fast. Ah, uh, I would too. This is not Star Trek. That's like Battlestar Galactica remake yeah. levels of Although nonsense. I do want to note that we have had uh, forced breeding brought into this, the Star Actually, Trek Actually, that was their before. other objection. It was too close to the cage. Yeah. Oh. Well, no. Okay, then we've had it twice because in um, Gamesters with Triskelion, they mentioned... Oh, yeah. Oh, everyone yeah. is trying to breed these guys. Yeah. But yeah. I think that might be... I think they keep Kirk on to just like take care of his people and mm-hmm. like captain it's it like, up I don't want to deal there. with your weird monkey feelings. I wonder if it had to do with the Federation. Well, okay. Mm, no. No, I don't think so because they're completely uninterested in the Federation because why no, would they conquer them? Well, yeah. They have this whole thing about like we don't we don't colonize we, we don't, conquer. Yeah, we don't colonize we conquer. Because Kirk initially offers them he says um you don't have to conquer us. We have lots of empty planets you could have. And he's like oh, we don't do that. And then they just sort of carry on. I think Rohan keeps him on hand just to fuck with him, honestly. Rohan is kind of like sternly angry leader type thing. Again, which is why I think he's a great villain. He sees through Kirk. Oh, yeah. Kirk is not single surprised. They try. Except for the seduction. Yeah. Which it shouldn't. <laughs> I'm so excited until we get one of the seduction parts. Yes. But I, I thought it was really interesting in the where they brought up the multi generational ships. Mm-hmm. I don't think we've ever had something like that. So essentially, no. it takes three hundred years to get them. So the people who landed on this planet yeah. are not the people who left. Nope. Yeah, I, well, and I also like that because it sort of um, they're like very focused on what they're doing, and they it, it was like we don't colonize, we conquer. They had an ideology mm-hmm. that had been built into them over however many generations six, seven generations, eight generations on this ship. And I, so they were militant, probably more militant than the first generation mm-hmm. who were like, I mean, I don't know, but it's, it's, it's the reinforcing, like the reinforcing of the, the, the society's yeah. ideology. And I really like that part. Yeah. There were, there were villains that you really got a sense of, oh, this is again, just like we got the Romulans in a couple of scenes or like, I get everything about you. Mm-hmm. I got a lot of them. Like, yes, we're very concerned with honor. We're not really interested in emotional stuff. Like we've got the plan. Everyone sticks to the plan. We're willing to sacrifice to the plan. Our duty is very, very important I to us. I actually found the word honor very strange in the context of a race that we later find out has given up on all sensation and also feelings. Because honor is definitely based in emotion. It's a pride thing. The thing that was the most interesting to me, I think, and I don't think they even mentioned it or touched on it, is 
when these guys ostensibly get back to their own galaxy, they're going to have been gone for 600 years. Yeah. Yep. What What are the changes that are going to have happened in the culture in 600 years? Is their planet and, dead? Is their planet yeah. dead? Is their entire plan changed? Have they found a cure? Like, it was just such a, a big question I felt that they left hanging over the episode. Well, Kirk kind of touches on it because he, one of the arguments he uses near the end of the episode is like, you have been gone for how many generations? You are not like the people who left, no matter how careful you were to like keep beating it into your 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 progeny. Like when you get back, it's going to be different. They're not going to recognize you. You won't be them, and you won't be like them anymore. I, I that was not really clever sound effects by us. That was actually it was the dog. <laughs> um, but I think what he's trying to hammer home that by taking you've been contaminated by taking the human form. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know that. I, I think there is a really good argument to he speak to your said, point, Kim, mm-hmm. that like you will be the alien. Yeah. Yes, he does. Yes, which kind of finally breaks them because imagine like your your three generations from your home. Oh, that's very interesting. It's almost kind of like a very weird immigration story yeah it kind of is and the thing is that we don't actually know how long they've been in a human form i'm thinking not that long from the beginning of this episode because their ship broke up and, and they've it, only taken these forms for the purposes of taking the enterprise and it's it doesn't take them that. long to fall into makeouts like no, no. <laughs> it's a couple of days at most and then they just go completely nuts yeah so it's just too much oh uh, the human form is yeah he basically we have this little moment after he sort of lays out his plan for Kirk while they're still on the planet. Like, oh, we're keeping you hostage so your crew will go along with what we want. Where we have Rojan and the other guy whose name I don't know if we ever get mustard. Yeah, Colonel Mustard. Yeah. Mustard, yeah. The, one in, the one in, like, the, the little jumpsuit. You he's put got, he's got two tones. He's got two tones. Yeah, there he is. Two tone. Two tone mustard. Um, where basically... It sounds like a great, like, 1920s it dream. It's got two tone mustard over here. I would like to point out at this point we get a POV scene with none of yeah, our heroes. That's what I was yeah. going to say. Yeah. None of them. It's just them talking together yeah. about their culture and their ways. Again, which is why yeah. I feel they're so very well developed. Yeah, and they they're... talk about how... They don't like the openness of the planet. It's strange. They it's need... Based, yeah, it's basically... Or Han going, Ugh, planets are so gross. And he talks about the comfort of walls. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I really, really like. To kind of show how alien they are. Yes. yes. There's a real... Okay, I've forgotten the title. It might be called The Hive, but there's a great Star Trek Deep Space Nine novel mm-hmm. where this giant ship starts coming towards the station and it's filled with this civilization that brought origin has been living inside a ship for like years and years and years and years and they're going to try and find a planet or whatever and there's some one of these aliens who has to like come out of the ship for some reason and she's talking to people and freaks the fuck out being on a planet and like curls because they have like shells and like curls into herself and is like having panic attacks at being outside in somewhere where it's not enclosed and not mm-hmm. space, And that made me, this made me think of that book and that kind of agoraphobic reaction. Mm-hmm. I thought that was, that was very yeah. well done. I keep going about like, is this an immigration story? Like clinging to the old ways just for the idea that they are the well, it, old ways? It definitely at the end becomes an immigration story. But what, what I wanted to note about this is that it basically ends with him saying, he, they specifically mentioned these forms in which we've encased ourselves. Yes. Have too many senses and they're too intense. Okay. 
how do you cram a 100-legged octopus inside a human body? Are they, like, very small 100-legged octopuses? I think they actually... Octopuses don't have bones, so it could be just a shell casing and they're just (laughs) jammed. Well, no, because they read as completely human. Bones says that a couple of times. I think they actually, like, modified themselves genetically. They were supposed to be huge, yeah. huge, 100 tentacled octopus. Yeah. God, even saying that's just They, like, science shape-shifted themselves into these bodies. See, this is why I came up with the tagline that I did, because the only thing I could think about this was, I've got such a crick in my neck. <laughs> <laughs> See, I also, um, when I thought about what they were and the human shape, I also was thinking, like, Galaxy Quest, how they had those things that, like, mm-hmm. just kind of uh, transformed, like, almost like a hologram. Yeah. But yeah. these guys definitely are physically human. Mm-hmm. Because it's all the hormones and yeah. all, like, the adrenaline and, and the their being heartbeat. small and being, yeah. Yeah, and being squishy and soft. And so however they did it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how they, however they've done it, they've made themselves human, physically. Mm-hmm. But clearly not intellectually, because Rohan thinks every single one of Kirk's objections against being subjugated is silly. So silly. Mm-hmm. Um, we get a lot of Spock being angry that his super strength can't break the super bars. He, there's a beautiful <laughs> shot of him stroking a rod, which goes on yeah. uncomfortably long. <laughs> a really long time. But Kirk's like, huh, have you tried a Vulcan mind probe? And this is where this episode went from like five to a ten for me. Because he attempts, he shimmies up to a rock. Well, he, they do well, this on the planet this. with the death machine. They actually yeah. say that. Yeah. And you do the thing like you did on that planet that yeah. one time. And he tries awesome. to do the thing, Julie, yeah. but it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. He tries and he's like, oh, da, da, da. and there's like the boom, boom. And you see her sort of turning her head like, huh, is something vaguely bothering me? And then her brain bitch slaps him across the cell <laughs> yeah. to a large rejected. Yeah. Actually, like a thunderbolt sound. Yeah. It was yeah. so great. Uh, she comes in the room anyway. Yeah. Because well, she's never seen a movie. She comes in. She gets, like, karate chopped. Oh, my God. That was, like, I had to rewind to watch this because I didn't know what the hell happened. Mm-hmm. And Kirk just, like, gathers both of her arms into one hand and just, like, hi-ya. Well, she does <laughs> have very skinny arms. And he is a master of Kirk food. <laughs> he is. Unlike anyone else. I think he's been taking Vulcan neck chopping lessons from Spock. So the reason that they staged this whole thing, I mean, apart from simply escaping, was to steal one of the little freeze ray boxes. Yeah. Which they succeed in doing, but they're only free for about, ooh, 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. Because these guys are way smarter than that. Again, them. a thing that has worked in every single episode, and on the surface you're like, oh, okay, well now they're going to get the freeze ray. And then, wait a minute, because yep. the Lord of Rohan is like, and... Yeah. And this was the other reason why it felt like kind of, you know, like the same thing you've been doing over and over and over again in all the other episodes. Is because we've just watched like the Nazi episode Mm -hmm. was just them escaping prison, getting recaptured, escaping, getting recaptured. Yeah, but this one wasn't, it wasn't about that. That was just a thing that like happened because in this case, the purpose of it is that you think that you're going to triumph this time. And every time you think they're going to like overcome, it's like, oh, well, they're a little bit more. No, they figured out again. Oh, but this time it'll, no, blocked again. So it's like, this is the point where you're like, oh, they're not going to win this one. Yes. And you actually start to think, hmm, even though you know intellectually. And in the Nazi episode. No, yeah. it, wasn't, it wasn't the Nazi episode. It was the, it's um, every it was the, other ga- the gangster episode. The gangster episode yeah. is what I'm thinking well, of. They, it's a lot of toing and froing. Yeah. But that, they are somehow the most lucky lucky bastards in the entire galaxy yeah. who somehow managed to just kind of turn the right corner. 
this one should work. Yeah. Because luck loves them. It does. Fortune favors this them. Is, this, is, it doesn't. this is what humans have up against all of the other super-powered alien races, is yes. that uh, we are just... Damn lucky. Way too lucky. We are improbably lucky. But not this time. No, because... I, and again, I love Rohan. He stops him. He's like, you need to be taught a lesson of how serious you not, are. And he's not angry. Nope. Which is actually, it makes it more frightening. Because he's just totally calm. He's like, I knew you were going to try something. Unfortunately, I now have to punish some of you. And he doesn't punish Kirk. No. No. He, because he treats yeah. him like a leader. And yeah. he know, and he empathizes with Kirk. I know that what's going to hurt you the most is hurting your people mm-hmm. and you being able to do nothing about it. So he takes the black guy and the woman because they're yeah. unnecessary. Mm-hmm. Mm. No, the red shirts. Okay, I have a question. Yes. Um, the red shirt lady from this. Yes. yes. Who is she? Yeoman Thompson. Her name is Julie Cobb. Julie Cobb. She was in a couple of things. Nothing big. But she is also the mother of Rosemary Morgan, who was in a Voyager episode called The Shoot. I like the shoot. The shoot's good. It's a prison episode. Uh, Tom and Harry Kim get shoved into prison in space. Which episode where they get sent to prison? <laughs> they, um, it was basically that Stargate episode where they get sent to prison in space. I really like that episode. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. She just looked and sounded familiar. Yeah, I got that feeling too. Like Natalie Wood or something. She like also that? had her parents are also quasi famous actors, yeah. so it might just be a look. It was a look. She was so cute and yeah. so young. Yeah. And so she kind young. of, as she's being led off to her fate, kind of goes, Captain? Poor Yeoman Thompson. That was her name, right. by the way. No. Then she gets turned into, like, a, a D-20. D-15. Yeah. And so does the other guy. And Rohan just kind of picks one of them up. Is like... And then... See, when I first watched it, not watched it, read my book while you go for watching it the first time, <laughs> I was just like, what's happening? And then I watched it again, and I realized I was trying to, like, when he picked them up, mm-hmm. I was trying to watch which one, like, which hand she yeah. was in to yeah. see. And, yeah, no, I lost. They cut away. Like, they cut it's away. Like, it's like, it's like, like, find the lady. Yes. It's, yeah. <laughs> Good reference. It's been watching yeah. Now You See Me, and Now You See Me too. Which don't. Hey. Wait, wait. <laughs> don't. Don't, don't watch oh, those things. Weird. I really enjoy both of those films. Honestly, I had no, I I'd forgotten about that, but yes, that too. But that's <laughs> it's like it's like follow the lady, and now you don't know which two. one it is, and they do that on purpose. Now you see me three because he doesn't want Kirk to know now which one is which. Me. Because the next thing he does, don't you see me, never see me, see me, don't anyway, see me do. The next thing he does is he picks them up. And you don't know which is which. And he doesn't want Kirk to know which is which. Kirk has clearly also lost the card. And he stands there and he's like, I have reduced your people. And at this point, you don't know that they can be brought back. You just yeah. think that they've been, oh, you would compress them into their component chemicals. And then he crushes one of them with his hand. So as far as Ugh. murder goes, it's pretty clean. Yeah. yeah. Very cold. Efficient. I feel like you could just go. There's a hallway because, of course, they go up to the ship and they start yep. cubing people. You could just jump from cube to cube. Yeah, I feel like that would be very satisfying. Yeah. Well, that was horrifying. So maybe not the murder part, but like yeah. the crushing of them. I felt like they crumbled very satisfyingly. Yeah. 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 And th- okay, so this part was legitimately tense when you're waiting to see who's coming. And I was actually surprised. I was expecting it to be the the lady who came back. Yeah, I was As really surprised I. too. Yeah. I was glad. I felt like in a by killing sort of way. The young 
this is awful. By killing the young girl, I was like, oh, this is no holds barred. Yeah. This is deep, man. Yeah, because, I mean, this is horribly callous, but to contemporary audiences, that was much worse than killing the black guy. So, Kirk is put back into prison. He is staring sexily out of a prison cell. He is visibly, I mean, when he's, when Rohan is crushing the D20 that was the nice, cute little yeoman, his face is awful. Shatner is doing some good yeah. shacting here. <laughs> yeah. Shatner acting? Yes, it is. Yes. <laughs> he does really well, because he stares moodily out of that prison cell looking Fine. Yes. And while he's doing he's narrating Jim Kirk's prison diaries. Yeah. Yeah, that was going to be my note. He's recording a log. (laughs) On what is he recording a log? Did he find an actual log and carve that in and then read it out loud? Because it's the only thing that makes sense. The universe is listening, Kim. (laughs) Oi, oi, oi. And then Spock starts talking about the exotic images that was pushed out of his brain. At which point I laughed mightily because (laughs) he starts talking about tentacles and I was like, uh, tentacle. The exotic tentacle images that you've been seeing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, apparently they're immense, immense, immense beings with 100 limb tentacles with giant brains. So they're giant squids. How basically. do they get them in the human body? I think they just genetically modified themselves. I think they just pull, like, like you do with the sweater when you pull, <laughs> you pull your sleeves in. <laughs> no, no, I'm picturing Stitch in Lilo and Stitch. <laughs> <laughs> That's also very good. (laughs) Or maybe they just, yeah, just kind of like, yeah. Anyways, there's a million ways to do it. And maybe they weren't that immense, just compared Compared to humanoids. They just thought they were that immense. Yeah. And in fact, they're like two inches. (laughs) Like like that thing in uh, Men in Black when you open the... Yes. Like the the man and it's like a tiny little alien inside. Or those little pipe cleaner monsters in Cat's Paw. Yes. Or the little monster that comes out of the floor in that Buffy episode. Yeah. Yes. 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 Or like uh, Snoke who is in fact six inches tall. Yeah. That's our theory. That's my theory, Sticking to it. (laughs) So, uh, this is where Kirk's like, hmm, so they made them, they, they, there's sort of a general talk where they sort of work out, well, they made themselves human or human-shaped, but I think actually physically human. Yeah. To, to fit the into the ship. And Kirk says, okay, here's the plan. Spock, mm. you fake sick. Which has worked in every episode. Mm-hmm. Just saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Spock meditates. <laughs> Himself unconscious. Hey, remember that thing where you can meditate and seem like you're dead? Yeah. That we've never mentioned before? Yeah, that thing. Yeah. And the guard falls for it because apparently they don't have television in the Kelvin Empire. No. So they get to beam uh, Spock and McCoy back into Mm -hmm. sickbay to give them some, like, shots or whatever. Yeah. And... McCoy is like, oh, quick, two shots of whatever. Sokolene. Chapel once again fails to play it cool. (laughs) I was... It's like, Chapel cannot read a room. Okay, here is a thing. They never actually... Because the way that she reacts when he asks for Sokolene makes me think that it's a made-up word that does not exist. So, I don't care. You've just been invaded. Half of your people have been turned into cubes. Yeah. And some guy, the doctor shows up and is giving you an order, and you're like, hey, what's going on? I kind of just got the impression that she was really confused by specifically what he was doing with Spock. Okay, if you had to choose an improv team from anyone off the... Don't <laughs> pick Christine Chapel. Well, I wouldn't pick Christine Chapel. No. But I would cannot know. play. Because he asked for... 
quote, Sokolene, unquote. And yeah. they never explain what the hell that is because her initial reaction makes me think that is not a real thing. It's a word he just made up. No, I think it was just something like. So what is he injecting with? Sugar water? <laughs> Booze? Maybe he maybe. was just like lifting up his arm and shooting it into the, into the air. Yeah, like. Into the bed. Maybe. Any, anyway, we need to come back and throw some more shade on Chapel because. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> I mean, that was really annoying. I love Christine Chapel. You're alone. Some, sometimes she's written as a really dumb. Yeah. Which makes she's, me mad. She's very focused no. on her job. And also, she's obsessed with Spock. She should know that he can, like, make himself unconscious for, that like, he can Romeo. Holy vacation. crap, he Romeo's and Juliet's himself. <laughs> which ties into the theme of this episode. Oh, wow. Uh, it's all coming together. So in this case, Spock is Juliet. So let me Kirk Romeo. Fuck it does because that's <laughs> what he does. Oh. Oh. And it's the Capulets and the Romulans. And finally, <laughs> after a tragic romance, it fails. It's, it's an ill-fated romance that kills six people. Yes. yes. And starts a civil war. But no, it mends the civil war. It bring, their love brings enemies together in the arms of the prince slash federation. <laughs> Damn, Jerome, Jerome Bixby. Okay, okay, I'll take that. So, Rohan now tries, and what I wrote here, and I think this was probably just a slip, tries to sway Kirk to the rightness of the Roman cause. <laughs> Um, he's he's talking about like you know we have a sense of honor and we have you know we have we have codes of behavior that apply not only to us but also to the species that we conquer and Kirk's like yeah yeah you can take your honor and shove it I think my notes here it just says he's like you've been conquered please cooperate yeah exactly it's like he just expects you are ordered to cooperate why aren't you cooperating I do not understand he conquered you fair and square (laughs) guys we have a code of honor honor (laughs) um at this point Kurt cannot resist smooth talking the ladies because he takes a moment to be like hey Belinda Blue I want to be I want to be fair here and point out that she actually initiates this she's just like flowers what's up they're pretty (laughs) yeah she basically she decides kirk is going to explain all of the things that she wants explained and she's like so what's this pretty thing that grows out of the ground and i actually kind of there's bits about this that i liked like they talk about that we actually get some physical descriptions of their planet Mm -hmm. that um they have things that look like flowers back on in the kelvin empire but they're crystals they're not like plants which was really interesting because you get this sort of Mm -hmm. yeah but it also gives this impression that their their world is quite chilly compared to ours and yeah. doesn't have nearly doesn't have color doesn't have a lot of organics which actually makes a lot of sense with what we get of what they are naturally like I, I yeah didn't he grab the flower from her and be like that stinks and then like crumple it up and throw no, it no he's like that's a flower and then he mumbles off where their name would smell sweet and then she's like what and he's like fuck my life and he crashes <laughs> the flower in his hand and then drops it on the ground. <laughs> it's like it's, it's like nihilist flower crushing <laughs> Yeah, and 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 says the everything you like. Yeah. Yes, I would also like to give a thumbs up to the Kelvins for gender parity. Yeah, yes, yeah. yeah. there is equal Enterprise. opportunity for ladies and gentlemen to wear ridiculous <laughs> outfits and conquer galaxies. Yeah, yeah, I liked that too. And they actually don't treat them very differently at all. No, no in fact, um, the second Kelvin woman, the one yes. who's on the who's on the bridge, mm-hmm. she is not involved in any shenanigans. Nope, she's no. just like I'm working. Yep. What's going on? I'm working. 
Oh, she's like, wait, what? At the end? She's yeah. actually the one who's figuring out how to use all the interfaces on the ship. She's working she's, really hard. Yeah. She's doing her job. She Conquering. better be so angry. Yeah. She better get good space pay. Yeah. So people Everybody don't get paid in the Federation camp. Or the Covenant Empire, I imagine. Know. What, they don't? There's no money. Socialism. There's no money in the Federation. Oh. Everything is just provided for you. Yep. Except That's until you... so nice. Right? Yeah. So, <laughs> except for the Quark's holodecks, that yeah, well, they're, they're, they're even not part of Latinum. So you can just be like, "Hey, Federation, I want this thing." Well, the idea is that you're sort of so integrated into society that everything is simply provided for you as a matter of course. Mm-hmm. They never explain how that worked. There still has to be some kind of credit system just to make things move around. Also, but... to buy nice things. Yeah, right. I assume they but... get like a monthly allowance. I assume it's like income, or maybe per diems. Yeah, something like that. Um, but yeah, so we are all back on the ship now, and they're told that they're gonna, they'll be at the barrier in an hour. This mm-hmm. should apparently take months. So I guess their engine upgrades have worked. Awesome. I figure I liken it to like a nitro button. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. Uh, so Scotty and Spock, as we alluded to, they they kind of rig it so that it will blow. And they, for some negative and positive energy, I died, guys. Um, and they're going to flip the switch and make the ship blow out, taking all these crappy aliens with them. As well as their ability to report back to their empire. Yes. Uh, when they're crossing the barrier, because that's the mm-hmm. only time that they can do it. Mm-hmm. And controversial decision, I honestly think Kirk bungled this. He should have he, blown up oh, yes. ship. Oh, yeah, yes, he absolutely. absolutely did. I was com- shocked by his reaction being like, you're gonna blow up the ship? You can't blow up the I'm like, yes, you can. I think you yourself have suggested it. In and it's times. really funny because you get to Next Gen and they're setting self destruct every five or six yes. episodes. <laughs> because Picard has learned this lesson. Like, He's like, they okay, cannot wait to I love my ship, ship. I love my crew, but fuck this noise. The I'm number of times Picard and Riker link arms, skip mm. down to engineering, <laughs> and set, set the self destruct is yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. I'll say my code, and then you say your code, and we'll be BFF forever. Or at least for the next 35 seconds. Yes. It, it is bizarre, because yeah. on the sur- I think it's because, and it, this is going to be another human thing, he hopes and has faith that he's going to be able to best these aliens. I like this idea, but I actually think it's way, way less noble than that. I think that Rohan's um, sort of, his, his little technique down on the surface of random, of, of like picking the two weakest least powerful members of your party and cold-bloodedly potentially murdering them in front of your eyes mm-hmm. worked exactly the way he wanted it to and Kirk just couldn't do it. He just couldn't deliberately kill any more of his crew. I think it hit him that deeply. And I think that's exactly what Rohan knew would happen. And in fact, he walks up to him later and says, so that uh, little self-destruct plan you had going, it was never going to work anyway. Hmm. Yeah, Rohan definitely knows about it. Mm-hmm. And I think it's it's God, that's so... So he breaks Kirk, and yeah. then it's a test to see whether it worked. And yeah, it, it did. did. Yeah. Ooh! Cold squid Again! People. These are the best yeah. villains ever! Yeah. <laughs> oh, so they go through the barrier in a stunning bit of continuity. Yeah. <laughs> Except this time they don't die, and Chekhov is like, Whoa! Shut up, Chekhov, you weren't even there. No. Stop trying to pretend. Also, his hair was really weird. It was like two different colors. <laughs> like all the front stuff was like very, very light brown. And then everything in the back was this really dark chestnut. 
It was weird and distracting. It looked, he has had like a witty way of a time. And that's funny because he's maybe, he's got maybe two lines of dialogue because immediately after they leave the galaxy, Rohan turns to Kirk, says, I compliment you on the efficiency of your crew, and then immediately orders all non-essential personnel to be D20'd. For budgetary, <laughs> yeah. For budgetary reasons, uh, everyone further in this episode, not in the starring role, will be cubed. Yeah, yeah, including Uhura and Chekhov. I really the first one. I enjoyed cubed. the part where he went around the bridge. He's like, everybody who's not essential, and then he goes around. And it's like, we don't need you. We don't need you. We don't need you. Cubed, cubed, cubed. It was again chilling because he goes over yeah. here. Well, we're not going to need any communication, so cube for you. Uh, check off. We've already got a lady running this, sh- running the bridge. So uh, don't need you either. Security. Mm, we've already won, and it was spooky. There's no one to secure. Yeah, it was really disturbing. It was spooky because uh, Kirk takes a walk and he finds hallways full of cubes. Yeah, and discarded equipment. Not clothes though. No. Well, no, because the they first got, time they, they were mulked up into the the brain. So part of their essence is their clothes. Yeah, I guess. I guess it's maybe like a Hulk thing. Well, I mean, if it's made of cotton, it's natural fibers, and it just got pulled in with all the rest of the flesh and brain. And but it's not bone. part of you. It's, it's on you. I think it's more like a pattern. It's just like a more organic way of storing it than in like a transporter buffer. I mean, it would have to be, or they wouldn't be able to reconstitute them. Sure. Anyway, um, there's a little space meeting that is, the only people left on the ship are Kirk, Spock, Scotty, and Bones, because of course. Starring credit. And Bones finds out about the plan that Kirk bungled, and he fucking loses it on him. Which is fair. He's, He's like, why didn't you blow up the ship? He's got a really good point, that as soon as these guys get back to their crappy octopus planet, they're going to bring the rest of the octopuses there, and there's no stopping them. And also, he's like, I had to watch them come in and, like, fucking D20 my entire medical staff, and you could have stopped any of that from happening. To be fair, Chapel Chapel deserved to be D20. In this episode. In this episode, Yes. Yeah, it's it's they they want they need to get rid of them because there's not enough food for you. That makes no sense, but whatever, fine. Whatever. Well, no, it does make sense because like Enterprise has a store of like five years or whatever of food. Yeah, they yeah. haven't really worked out replicators yet. My favorite thing is that one of the aliens comes over and is like, "I want to do this food thing. Assist me," which is like the bossiest way of asking for help. No, but anyways, he. Because they take pills. No. Yes, they take pills. He's like, McCoy offers to show him the food. He's like, the guy's like, we have pills. Why aren't you pilling? And McCoy's like, try it. No. Because he takes him over to the replicator. And says, assist me. Yes. He yells in his face. Yeah, he does. He's really... He's not the most easy person to get along to. But the best part of that is that he takes the tray out of the replicator, slams it down on another table, because apparently aliens aren't allowed to eat at the cool kid table. (laughs) Well, that's fair. Mm-hmm. I, I can't really argue on that one. And here becomes the quirky humanist emotion side of this episode mm-hmm. when the shift of mood is palpable. Yeah. He couldn't sit with him because he was wearing pink and it wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't Wednesday. Wednesday. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. A plus. Nicely A plus. done. Very nicely done. And so <laughs> Spock once does his second review of his experience with the mind melt, and he's the one that gives the idea for the plan. Where he's basically yeah. like, they've given up feelings, they've given up perceptive senses, and anything that might distract them. 
but in human form, dot, 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 question mark. And here's where I wrote that it reminded me of the auditors from Terry Pratchett. Yes. In um, Thief of Time, where yes. basically what defeats them is that they put themselves in human bodies and all this human stuff keeps distracting all these feelings and hormones and eating and smelling and tasting. Oh my God, this is so weird. Being human's kind of nice. No, this is wrong. Yeah, it was exactly like that. Mm-hmm. So the crew decide to human them to human to just throw <laughs> sensation at them the senses yeah yeah Scotty Fusion naturally is just like I know what to do yes. let's get drunk yeah. <laughs> see everyone plays to their strength McCoy yeah. gives them shots and makes them irritable Kirk uses his sexy sexy seduction skills Spock just logics them into frustration Mm -hmm. and Scotty just gets them blasted (laughs) it works blasted my favorite part of all of these although I really do enjoy Scotty's like marathon of drinking where he has to give up his like 150 year old scotch that he was saving and had a really important and and special relationship with at that moment when he pulled that out I gasped and clutched my (laughs) pearls Let's also talk about Scotty's decor, which yeah. is bagpipes, uh-huh. a kilt, uh-huh. a medieval suit of honor. <laughs> oh, sorry, armor, suit armor. of armor. <laughs> Although it could have honor too. Yeah. We don't know that. The suit of armor <laughs> contains more alcohol, <laughs> yep. and there's also some weird sword business. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. Scotty plays true to type. I'll give him that. <laughs> I hit it in there for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, okay, so. If we're talking about Scotty and his uh, drinking marathon, yes. he's pulling out, like, bottle after bottle of booze yes. for this guy. One point, he pulls out one, and the guy's like, what is it? And he looks at it, and he's like, it is, it's green. <laughs> and that, they actually yeah, call that yeah, back yeah. in The Next Generation. Yep. And Data is behind the bar, and someone's like, what is it? And Data's like, it is. And he smells it. He's like, it is. It is green, and I actually think it's with it is. Scotty. Yeah. It was beautiful. <laughs> it's a great callback. Scotty is for sure an alcoholic, oh, though, yes. right? You've read Girl on a Train, where she's, like, finding bottles of alcohol everywhere hidden in her room. I was like, oh, boy. Hiding alcohol but in your little space. bottles of alcohol hidden in your room. Just, no, that's, that's just, like, a hopeful thing it's not like okay if it was like a torture it'd be like it'd be like they'd be all half empty to like a glass left i also want to note that the tartan on the kilt that is hanging up in his quarters is the scott tartan actual registered tartan so So that was cool scotty does his business getting this guy blasted until he passes out kirk kind of looks at the camera and looks I guess I'm going to have to bang my way out of this situation so, again. I loved this, though, because he strikes out, like, 17 oh times. He is so completely he's thrown befuddled. by this. He's, like, he's, he's throwing out all his, his best moves, and she just sort of looks at him calmly and goes, Oh, you're trying to seduce me. Okay. <laughs> I actually wrote down on my paper, seduction. It's Kirk's time to shine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he does not. He kind of shimmies into her room and is like, Well, I wanted to apologize. I don't usually go around hitting women. And her response is, well, why not? <laughs> Oi! That is a hard line to listen to. Um, and he's trying to explain, like, oh, I better apologize with my lips. They express warmth and love. And she's like, oh, you're trying to seduce me. Like, it's so cute. But the thing I've is read that, about this in books. Once she yeah. figures out what he's doing, she's like, do it again. Yes. <laughs> Although I really like his just... He's so 
upset and thrown he off. visibly upset because he strikes out. Because he kisses her once. He's like, do you really enjoy this? He's like, well, I did. <laughs> and then Rohan walks in on them and he's like, is there a problem here? And he's like, well, not when I came in. <laughs> well, there's one point where we cut back to them. Yeah. And you get this, like, really uncomfortable, like, lip yeah. seal action. And it's like, that is the most, like, unsexy looking kiss I think I've ever seen. And apparently Kalinda agrees. Shatter is not a good screen kisser. It's a lot of like neck grabbing and full mouth covering. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like they're just kissing each other like really hard on the cheek area, like the side of the mouth. I I don't know what Shatner's stage technique is in that. Would better not, not to know. know. It's a lot of neck grabbing. Like, <laughs> as you watch him, like, come towards a lady, and she kind of tenses up, and he's like, That's the worst thing that happens on this podcast. <laughs> but when you mentioned how he, they kiss, and then she's like, oh, I could, did we get to that part yet? Bring it. I can Bring. do some more tests. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 What came to my mind was, a whole new world. <laughs> that is fair. So Spock's technique is essentially to logic this guy into annoyance. Yeah. <laughs> Which works. <laughs> yeah. And also to be like, oh, you almost seem, hmm, jealous? Mm-hmm. So I'm not jealous. Which he immediately jealous. goes over to Blend and is like, don't see Spock anymore. And she's like, Kirk, I Kirk. do as I please. Yeah. yeah. And flounces off. Yeah. Hard yeah. flounce. And I've flounce. witnessed that particular, you're not just talk to those people. In real life, mm. and I had to help a lady, like, go talk to people about her employer doing this to her. Ugh. Yeah. Gross. So that, like, I was just like, nope, wrong. It's not okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 So we get yet another, inter- a very awkward Kalinda and Kirk interlude. There's lots of making out and annoying and playing of people like violins, eventually culminating in a love triangle fight off <laughs> between... Belinda, Rohan, and Kirk's stunt double. Yeah. <laughs> His clearly visible stunt double. Uh, which it essentially devolves into a bitch slap with Belinda going, huh. This I, I like me. she wasn't standing in the corner going, no, don't. No. She's just sort of curious. Mm-hmm. Scientific interest. Mm-hmm. Continue. Why is your shirt still on? <laughs> and... Yep. Spock and McCoy come in as they're, and they're watching this fight. Scotty's not of, there because he's dead drunk unconscious. Oh, how? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, love, I loved the fact that Scotty, like, he accomplished his goal. He got the guy super drunk. He got the belt thing, which is what they were going for. Yeah. And then he can't make it out of the door. He yeah. just passes out. He got so close. stereotypical Irish comedy music. And what was the, the guy passing out, the jerky movements back and forth? Well, and he's an alien. Over. But he, like, it was like he fell forward conked his head out and that knocked him out it was a very mm. odd decision it was an acting decision because he's an alien and he's never passed out before yeah scotty stumbles at the finish line <laughs> that was hilarious yeah. to me poor scotty but it's okay because scott uh, spock and mccoy come into the room kirk is having this yeah fight. and he gets thrown <laughs> across the room full thrown looks over to his butt like it's okay i'm stimulating him <laughs> At which point I lost it. Because <laughs> that is one way to overload their senses. Yeah. And all the while that Kirk is fighting him, fighting him off, because he's like, oh, why don't you paralyze me? Are you just too angry? You just want to beat me to death with your bare hands? He's trying 
to argue him around to his point of view. <laughs> he's a multitasker. You got to give him that. Kirk is good at multitasking. Yes, he is. <laughs> um, he's like, you're stuck like this now. You're human now. You and all of your descendants. And by the time you get back to the Kelvin Empire, you will be aliens. You'll be enemies. You don't know what will happen. And now you're doomed. <laughs> doomed. Good pep talk. Yeah. Kirk. Great. But and somehow it works. works. Yeah, somehow it works. And he's like, oh, you you do that? Because Kirk is like, the Federation will help you find a planet yeah, and which settle he's been you down. all along. And it'll be fine. Just give up on this crazy empire idea. Yeah. And then they reconcile as friends and make drop out to bound. Yeah. Did they not drop him off at the planet that they just came from? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So really, it was a beautiful circle. <laughs> they, they made a round trip. Now, I have a question yeah. for the group. Yeah. So, um, if we're working under the assumption that like, they say that they're going to send a probe back to the Kelvin yeah, Empire sure. with the Federation's offer. So, the Kelvins who are already in this galaxy are never going back there, obviously. Nope. Do we actually think they intend to do that? Or do we just think that they're going to settle these Kelvins on a planet and hope that the rest of the Empire never comes to this galaxy? Okay. If I was part of the Federation, and I'm not part of, like, the light side of the Federation, I'm the dark side of the Federation. Section 31. Section 31. gets things done when yeah. the Federation is too good to do it. Section 31. I send a probe back to their planet saying, oh no, it's a fire galaxy, we can't <laughs> It's a fire or galaxy. Or the other thing to do would be send out a probe, but it mysteriously is destroyed. Send out another probe, it's mysteriously destroyed. Okay, we'll send out one more probe, guys. This probe is just never going to make it. And I'm so they, sorry we tried. But it's 300 years, Kim. And here's the thing. I want to make sure those asshole octopus don't get into my business. That's true. <laughs> so I'm going to send the message back saying, guys, we can't go here. Definitely here's... avoid this entire galaxy. Think about the Delta Quadrant. Here's the thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And here's the thing I found really interesting about this is that they aren't trying to find the planet where their natural squid forms can thrive. <laughs> they are deciding to keep their human forms. Yes. So after like, by I don't the know time, if they can get back to them. Well, they sounded like they'd be able to. I like, feel like they were they talking were about stuck. it at the beginning. Well, either way, like by the time the, a probe could possibly reach the Andromeda galaxy, these people will completely forgotten how to be Andromeda squids. So it won't. I don't. Will they even care? Yes, because their entire planet is full of assholes. Yeah, but like these or, ones, the ones in this galaxy. Yes, they, they won't, won't care. care. Yeah. No, because they'll be dead. Yeah, because the probe is going to take 300 years to get yeah. there, so who cares? Yeah. Unless these squids live for a really long time. But I'm saying... Sounds like no. You want to make sure that those assholes don't show up at your doorstep. Yeah. So you say your house is on fire. I like your fire galaxy. Yeah. yeah it's probe a, idea. Again, it makes sure they'll never show up. Mm-hmm. Because you were bested by, at most, six of them? <laughs> yeah. And so I also imagine like, an entire planet of them. I also think that very possibly the Kelvin squids would be sort of like, ooh, this one's a bad guess. Because the way that the this sort of conquering force scout party thing sounds like, because they sent out people to other galaxies yes. too. Shame to be in those other galaxies. Yeah. Yeah. That it's sort of like the way that ants send out scouts. Yeah. And if the scouts don't that. come back, they just go, Oh, that one was clearly a death galaxy. Or a, you know, death garbage can or whatever. And they don't send any more scouts. Well, the thing about the Kelvin is they might be just be desperate enough because their planet's about to be blown up, I think. Radiation levels, yeah, I radiation. think. radiation. Yeah. But I also wrote in this notes, and I think I said it at the, at the end of the episode, is that this, this last scene is actually kind of a Picard-style resolution. He's mm-hmm. like, no matter what else is happening, he is still trying to argue around to his point of view. And through he's diplomacy. Very, through diplomacy. And he's 
Kirk is surprisingly consistent about that message throughout this episode. He's like, look, but we don't have to do it like this. We could just, you know, find you a new planet. Why can't we be friends? Yeah. Why can't we be friends? This planet is super empty. Empty. Mm -hmm. There's nothing to do and you like the flowers already. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Done. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. uh, Life lesson to take from this episode. Ari. Mm, Humans are messy and full of... like, really inconvenient feelings. And juices. And juices. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Kim? Um, once you go human, there's no going back. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I'm sure Sarah would agree with you. Apparently, yeah. Um, Trisha? Nothing ventured, nothing gained. Hmm. Explain yourself. Well, there's the whole... Trying to take over a, you know, a planet. They tried, and then they failed. They gained a planet and the friendship of the Federation. Well, technically, like Kirk got their planet back without the planet knowing. So it's like it's a weird, <laughs> twisty logic. Cree. Uh, mine is that everything can be solved by makeouts. Hmm. I would like to see a Star Trek episode that proves me wrong. And or physical violence. In this case, both. Yeah, like, kind of, like, sexy violence, though. Like, oh, I'm tugging on your shirt, and oh, your hands are over your head, and oh, slapping you around. Yeah. I also want to note that this episode actually solves itself by proving correct its title quote. In this case, the rose being humanity. That humanity by other any other name... Hundred-foot octopus. <laughs> that if you put octopus... Basically, that if, if you call a rose something else, it's still a rose. That... That if you be- function? In this case, yes, basically. That if you become human enough, you become human entirely. It's a very Star Trekian thing. It is. That form decides function, that the human form necessarily gives you human attributes, whether you want them or not. That it's yeah. actually, it's a really weird thing, that it's actually yeah. nature over nurture. The simple mm-hmm. fact of having a well, human body and if the you think about inside. it, like, like the identical twins thing, where twins raised together will become different on purpose because they're trying to differentiate themselves identical twins from each other but yeah, twins yeah. raised apart will end up with tons like like spookily tons of identical habits and preferences and tastes because they're not trying to counteract nature so essentially we're controlled by thanks dog <laughs> we're controlled by our own biology to a point yeah if we don't trouble to correct for it or to suppress it and that biology by Necessity gives us empathy and love and hope. As a default, yes. And these people had no reason or practice to try and counteract that or temper it. And so because they were not prepared for how intense being human is, they became human to the point where they didn't want to do the bad thing they wanted to do anymore. (laughs) The car alarm outside would disagree with you. Or agrees with me Or is giving you a point. I think that's quite scary. And kind of an interesting philosophical decision is that just because we have the chemistry for it well, I think it I don't think it's so much emotion? that it, it's automatic so much as that it predisposes you and that people who grow up human and with like squishy hormone chemical filled bodies we have the ability we have experience in like to a certain degree controlling our emotions and, and, and deciding what does and doesn't affect us I mean not everything but like we can keep our shit chilled right these people have no practice they're suddenly human they're suddenly full of senses and chemicals and feelings they were unprepared which is interesting when it comes around to the Vulcans, which have a humanoid form. They're not human, yeah. but they're mm-hmm. humanoid. Yeah. But I don't... 
But I think their biology gives them all the cues, but they are trained to deny yeah, them. They study and, and practice and learn for years and decades, I guess, to suppress what are naturally incredibly intense emotions hmm. and senses. Hmm. All right, uh, Kim, your count. Uh, one death. Oh, but it was such a hard one. It was one. a horrible death. death. It yeah. was. It's probably one of the worst deaths, honestly. Um, Ari, your count? Uh, five ladies, two people of color. All right. Not an awesome count, but I mean, the cast was very small because most of them were being portrayed by D20s made of pumice stone. Ooh, I have another possible different life lesson. Life mm-hmm. lesson? Okay. Uh, try it, but hentai is not for everyone. <laughs> 